welcome to Living a Sensory Life, a podcast that I've started talking all things sensory. So my name's Becky, I'm the founder of Sensory Spectacle, and I've run this podcast to teach you all about sensory processing disorder. We're going to be interviewing people, we're going to be sharing strategies, I'm going to be giving you research, and I'm also going to be explaining things to you so that you can help to understand the child or adult you care for or support just that little bit better. So today we're talking about self-regulation and recognising the way that people self-regulate can vary massively from person to person. When I teach about sensory processing difficulties, I emphasise that I'm usually focusing on people who have a high level of support. So they require support in order to help them to regulate. We know that there's many people in society who are able to regulate for themselves. That means they're able to recognise the sensory input that they're receiving and processing, but they're also able to recognise what their body needs from that or what their body needs to do in order to feel at its best from that. However, when we're supporting people who need help self-regulating, we need to be aware that that's a full-time job. We are constantly self-regulating our bodies and so for people who have difficulties recognising how much sensory input they have um, and they are processing can be really, really difficult and that's why we can see it being so overwhelming. One of the most common characteristics of um, people who are hypersensitive to any sensory system can be a need to feel in control. Now, many of us like to feel in control. If we don't feel in control, we might feel a bit anxious, we might feel a bit nervous, a bit uncertain. However, we may recognise that the characteristics we recognise for the children and adults with sensory processing difficulties is heightened when we see this need to be in control. So it might be that someone has to always be at the front of the queue. It might be that um, someone really, really needs a certain type of food, a brand of food, for example. It might be that someone needs to have something in their pocket to fidget with or wear a certain smell. If they don't have these things, we may just see it as... um, misunderstand it as that person just needing that item without realising and recognising the difference for that person when they don't have that object or that item or that input that they do need to regulate. So for example if we were to stop children from having exercise time at school so break times, lunch times but also PE we would recognise a huge impact on the student's ability to concentrate and to be able to learn. Exercise is proven. We need that movement. We need to use our bodies in order to help our brains organise themselves, but also to help us to focus. 
If we were to therefore deprive everyone of not having a break or a lunchtime or any form of exercise, we would all see a difficulty in the ability to be able to stay focused in school and to, to be able to stay on track. This is exactly the same strategy and approach I want us to consider when we're thinking about supporting people to self-regulate. If we are removing something which that person needs in order to feel good, to be able to concentrate, to be able to focus, to be able to attend, to be able to be themselves, then we're not supporting them to the best of our ability. We can actually be inhibiting their ability to feel the best that they can be. So currently we are experiencing isolation at home because of the coronavirus throughout the world and this can mean that the way that we're recognising our children or the people we're supporting self-regulating can be very different. And it can be different because the way that we see someone regulating at home can be very different to how we recognise them regulate in school or in other settings. So maybe at the gym or at work or when they're shopping. And so it's really important that we don't misunderstand some of these characteristics when our child or the person we're supporting is in their safe environment, their comfortable environment, which might be their home, compared to somewhere which is education or employment or a life necessity, going to the doctors, going shopping. So for in order for us to be able to really understand why we're recognising different characteristics at home compared to other settings, we really do need to understand that person's overriding sensory needs. Now, for someone with sensory processing difficulties, their overriding sensory needs are the senses which that person has difficulties in regulating. So it may be that someone is hypersensitive to sound, so they're really overwhelmed with auditory input. It might be that they are a tactile seeker, so they're hyposensitive to tactile information, so they love exploring lots of different textures. They like to take their shoes and socks off, they like to feel things in their hands. Or it might be that someone seeks out smell input. Maybe they lick things, maybe they smell people, they smell objects. Or how about proprioceptive discrimination difficulties? So do you know someone that maybe grabs things really firmly or when they're writing they break pencil nibs? So we will recognise different characteristics for these senses in the different environments that we're in. But it's really important that we're able to link them together so that we can identify that person's overriding sensory needs. Throughout this person's life, whether it's your child or your adult or someone that you support, we may recognise differences in the way that someone regulates, the way that they support themselves to feel good. And that's because not only do our bodies change and our environments change, but also we might find a new strategy to support ourselves. Might find another way of being able to get in sensory input. 
If you're a parent and you're a parent of a young child, you may well notice that from week to week your child finds new ways of regulating when they're at home. So if they're seeking movement input, they might start jumping or they might rock or they might swing or they might be rocking their head from side to side. If you're a parent to an adult, you probably notice different sensory characteristics now compared to what your child was like when they were younger. And this can be because that person's learned over time how they like to support themselves. They may have learned from themselves or they may have learned from other people as well. And so us as parents, carers, support providers, whoever we are, friends, family, it's really important for us to remember that we are the ones also helping to demonstrate ways of self-regulating and how we feel, how we present ourselves when we are regulated. So currently, I've said we are spending a lot of our times at home. And so let's think about our proprioceptive sense, for example. So we might be seeing someone who seems quite heavy-handed so when they grab things it's quite firm when they're walking they're really stomping their feet when they close doors it's always a slam of a door and there's no meaning there's no purpose behind it they don't realize or recognize what they are doing it's just that general amount of force and pressure that they use Now, this can be difficulties with discrimination of our proprioceptive sense, so knowing how much force and pressure to use. It might be other characteristics related to things like turning pages in a book, or using a knife and fork, or using a pencil. If we were to translate, transfer this sensory system and these sensory difficulties, so proprioceptive discrimination difficulties, to a classroom environment for example in the classroom we might recognize items breaking easily stomping closing jaws really heavily bumping into things or actively maybe pushing things breaking pencil nibs when they're writing tiring when they're using knife and fork and so you can see there's some characteristics that are similar across the two environments. However, there's some characteristics that may only be recognised or present within that specific educational environment. And so when we're thinking and focusing at the moment on the sensory characteristics we're recognising at home, it's really important then that we take into consideration also the aspect of how our child or the person we're supporting learns in education. So we are currently putting quite a lot of pressure on ourselves to help to educate the people we're supporting as they are unable to go to education. And so with us having a better understanding of someone's overriding sensory needs, we can provide that into their learning. If we provide that into their learning, so if we provide extra ways that this child or student can get and recognise discrimination of proprioceptive input better, we will be supporting them to learn. Because when our bodies are self-regulated, when they're regulated, we are at our optimum to be able to learn. So 
doing activities where I'm using my joints and my muscles and I'm getting that resistance in, I'm getting that feedback from where my body is and what it's doing. It might be something simple as squeezing something between my hands, something really hard. So I'm using all those joints in my fingers and, and muscles in my hands to be able to really get that resistance before I start writing or before I start using a knife and fork. It might be that if I'm holding things in my hand, I do some push-ups against the wall or against down on my chair because then I'm waking up, I'm using, I'm getting that resistance in my joints and my muscles to feel how much force and pressure I'm using when I'm pushing against the wall or I'm pushing up against my chair. If I'm stomping, maybe I'll do some stomping actively or jumping or pushing my legs against a gym ball against a wall to really get in some extra feedback into my muscles, which is the similar similar input to what I'm getting when I'm actually stamping my feet. So if we can do these things to support the specific sensory system that it is for your child or the person you're supporting that needs help to self-regulate will notice an improvement in their ability to learn, whether that's to concentrate, to sit down for a bit longer, to really get excited about the topic that you're doing or to be engaged in something that you're going to um, take part in with them. It's a really, really exciting concept and it's something that's relatively simple for us to do. But the hardest part is for us to really understand for our child or the person we're supporting, what are their specific overriding sensory needs? Now, you can learn loads more about this in my books, but also in my online training, especially Becoming a Sensory Detective. I give you all of these skills to become that sensory detective, to be able to work out what is your child or the person you're supporting's overriding sensory needs. And we do this by looking at these sensory characteristics, by observing our child or our student and really getting to know them. We can't expect to be able to support people if we don't have that good relationship with them. So we need to have fun, we need to play, we need to explore, we need to build up that communication and relationship and really understand how does this person communicate with me, what are their sensory characteristics, what are the things that they need to do in order to feel good, in order to regulate themselves. When you're building that relationship, that's when you'll really start to understand that person so much better and feel so much more confident in them being able to put strategies into place to help regulate. Now, I was asked today how many families are finding it incredibly difficult not being able to go out for a drive and go for that long walk in the countryside that they usually do during their week just to help them to reset Now, nature is so powerful. It's so good at helping us to do exactly that, to reset. However, when we're unable to go out to some of these places because we are isolating, because we're restricted on our travel, it can mean that 
there's an anxiety or a frustration because our bodies aren't getting what we know can support it. So some ways that you can help to get in some of that proprioceptive input that maybe you're missing out on can be some of these resistance exercises I was saying asking your child or who you're supporting to push the trolley when you're shopping to pull things to do some gardening to do some cooking all of these things where they're using their joints and the muscles they're getting resistance in is going to be really really helpful doing exercise each day stomping clapping pushing squeezing um you can tie it into home life activities so hoovering cleaning all the things that we know people um have to be encouraged to do however once we recognize the feeling in our body and how our bodies feel different there'll be more of a motivation to want to do it can you go for a walk around your garden can you smell the flowers and the leaves and just sit and take in the sounds that are around you it is quite surprising how much just being outdoors helps to calm and reset all of our senses. So if you are struggling at the moment, you're struggling to find ways to help your child regulate at home as they're not able to go outside. If you're finding it difficult to help your child to focus, to concentrate, to learn, my advice to you is to take away that pressure that you're putting on yourself. Take a step back, take some time out for yourself. Your child will find ways of self-regulating and then step back in, come back into their environment and offer other ways that you can help them to support themselves. It might be using a toy that they really love. It might be using music that they really love. It might be using food that they really love. However, if our children are happy, it's so much easier for us to help motivate them to do things which we know in the long run is going to really, really benefit them. So listening to your favourite music while you're trying to encourage them to push up against you or to do some dancing work where they're just copying your movements or listening to music while you're in the supermarket and they're pushing a really heavy trolley around. All of those things, are you tidying a bedroom? Anything where you can really help them to get that heavy work in is going to be really, really supportive. Now, if you've got any questions about recognising or understanding specific characteristics for your child or someone you support, don't forget there's lots of free videos on our YouTube channel, so Sensory Spectacles YouTube channel, where you can find out loads of information describing why we may observe certain sensory characteristics for the people we're supporting. So why we might see people squeezing things or accidentally breaking things, as well as why we might see people licking things and smelling things, why people may find it difficult to get their hair cut or to eat certain foods, all of these things. Um, so have a look on our YouTube channel. I'm sure there'll be some information there that can really help you. But otherwise, please do get in touch. You can email me via our website, so sensoryspectacle.co.uk, or you can message me on any form of social media. 
I would love to hear from you and I'm more than happy to help if I can. So just to summarise, we're, we're looking at how can we help people to self-regulate? Self-regulation at home can be very different to how we may recognise self-regulation in education or in the community. And so first of all, you have to recognise for your child or whoever you're supporting their overriding sensory needs. Once you've recognised that, you will then have so much of a better understanding of the person you're supporting and also feel so much more confident in being able to support their specific sensory needs in all different environments. This podcast was brought to you by Sensory Spectacle. You can find out more about our immersive training and workshops on our website, sensorispectacle.co.uk. We educate about and create awareness of sensory processing disorder internationally. We travel the world helping parents and professionals to understand specific characteristics relating to sensory processing needs. On our website, you'll find books, sensory support items, classroom resources, as well as information about our trainings. If you have any questions, please do get in touch. We love to hear from you. But otherwise, thanks for listening.